warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters. Welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and like always, I'm joined by my favorite gal pal, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today, we're doing another installment of our new segment, Vital Conversations, Where Everyday Life. And we are joined today by Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, friends. Uh, would you mind giving us like a brief introduction of yourself and your background and like all the cool content you do? Yeah, totally. So I am on the TikTok um, and the YouTube. I'm a criminologist and I... Got my start in true crime, so I used to do lots of that, but I've recently moved into more spooky territory. Kind of like the <laughs> opposite of how our trajectory, we started with yeah, and then went into true crime. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What led you to where you are now as far as like liking true crime and liking paranormal and all that stuff? So I think like many of us in this space, I've just always kind of been like weird, like that kid. But as I got older, I grew up watching like CSI and all that stuff, and I started noticing a lot of stuff going on in the YouTube community where I'd be like, that didn't happen. That's not how that happened. That's Mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. what she said. And um, I'm OCD and have a thing for details. So like in my mind, the correct solution was, well, I better make my own content. Yeah. And I just started doing it once. Listen, listen, that's the thing. It's like people want to criticize or, you know, find problems within different issues and communities, but then do nothing about it. But you did. So you know what I mean? Like, that's great. I love that. I love that. Okay. We have to just like, now that you guys know a little about her, we have to just get in what you texted me about because I (laughs) did not, I I don't think Jessica, do you know what the blue whale challenge is or the blue whale game is? No, I was noticing that as one of the questions and I was like, oh, I don't know what this is. You're like, I don't know what this is. (laughs) Did you look it up, Tara, or is this going to be all fresh for you? I did a very, very, very surface level search and looked at the wiki page for two seconds because I just saw after background what happened in November 2015. I was like, after that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop now. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I need you to tell me, oh my God, it's going to bring up great topics for sure. So I'm excited yeah. about it. So you tell, us, ready? tell us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm excited that neither of you has delved into it. Okay. So allegedly this game, the Blue Well Challenge or game, it goes by kind of both names. It starts with this random game administrator who contacts a teenage participant. The participant is asked if they would like to play Sometimes they are coerced into playing because they're teenagers. A lot of times it's Mm -hmm. like a 
you're going to play or I'm going to expose your deepest, darkest secrets and things like that. Oh, um, no. If they agree to play, it's every single day for 50 days. They're given a task to complete. I actually found this is mostly centered in Russia. So a lot mm. of the research on it is Russian. But I found an alleged translated set of the tasks. So <gasps> they start out relatively innocent. So, for example, like day two is to wake up at 4.20 a.m. and watch a scary video. Day four is to draw a whale on a sheet of paper, but the tasks escalate really quickly. So day 11, you're supposed to carve a whale into your arm. And every day from day 30 to day 49, you're supposed to wake up at 4.20, watch scary videos, and listen to like scary music that the administrator sends you. You're supposed to self-harm, and then you talk to a whale which is another person completing the challenge. You're supposed to like Skype with them. And then day 50's task. So the final task is to complete suicide. Yes. <laughs> the background into it. So the thing that you were talking about, the 2015 incident, mm -hmm. it's like the first incident that's really tied to that challenge. Um, that happened in November of 2015. A Russian teenager named Rina uploaded a selfie to the Russian social networking site VK which is really important to the rest of this too. It's kind of where all of this happens on VK. Mm -hmm. The picture was just a selfie. She was standing outside with a black scarf covering her mouth and her nose. She was flipping the camera off. The photo was captioned with bye. And shortly after she posted it, she died by suicide by throwing herself in front of a train. Wow. Yeah. So after her death, the internet sleuths went wild as they do. And these forums and groups popped up all over VK discussing her death and coming up with these conspiracy theories. It was sort of like the Russian Elisa Lamb. Like everyone wanted to know exactly mm. what happened and no one could agree. Yeah. So it came out that a lot of teens who had committed um, suicide in Russia Prior to Rena, they were in these similar like forums and groups on VK, including this one particular one that was called F57. The man behind the F57 group was the man who's often credited with creating the game. His name is Philip. His last name is Russian. I think it's Udikin, but we'll go F with that. Sure. Right? Sounds right. <laughs> um, we are like so. <laughs> always apologizing for pronouncing <laughs> names wrong. So you guys have done like five hundred episodes. <laughs> You're gonna miss it on something. It's fine. <laughs> so F57 sounds like kind of spooky and mysterious, but the F is just the first sound of Philip, and then the 57 is the last two digits of his phone number. Oh, gotcha. Makes it less cool. He's mm. it does because I was over here thinking it was like some sort of like <laughs> right. Russian. It's no like, not creative at all. Irate or some <laughs> shit. Like oh no. god. <laughs> he is like a weird guy with some weird beliefs. He was a young former psychology student. So he was majoring mm. in psych psychology, but got kicked out of school. He, why. he said about this whole <laughs> incident, quote, there are people and then there is biodegradable waste. I was <gasps> cleansing our society of such people. Sometimes what? Sometimes I start to think it's wrong, but in the end, I had the feeling I was doing the right thing. End quote. These are kids. Bro. Children. Yeah, Philip's a great wow. dude. In 2016, Philip was arrested and pled guilty to enticing 16 teenage girls to commit suicide, and he was convicted <gasps> on two of those counts. Wow. 
But yeah, that's fucking horrible. I mean, I wish <clears throat> it was more. I wish more people had been or, yeah, like kinda, more counts. The thing about the whole like blue whale challenge, which we'll talk about a little bit later, they have a hard time proving anything's linked to it. Got it. Sure. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then no one really knows why it's called blue whale, just in case you guys are wondering. Some people say it has something to do with whales like beaching themselves on the shore because that kills them. Some say it's from a song from a Russian band called Lumen, which talks about a huge blue whale who's stuck in a net. But it's not really known. So people think it started with Philip and these F-57 groups. And it really took off in 2016 because a Russian journalist talked about the group and claimed that the group had convinced over 130 kids to commit suicide. That's so many. Which, it is a big number, but the way that they came to that number was a father whose teenager had committed suicide kind of, like, scoured the Russian media until he found teenage suicides he thought might be related. So it's not, it didn't come from, like, law enforcement. He just said, hmm, these must be connected. But he was also saying like the government was involved and he had lots of theories about it. So that number may not really be. Yeah. Yeah. But authorities in multiple countries investigated claims about the game. Some of the stuff is like pretty interesting that they found though. So a lot of people thought for a long time that the administrators were adults. But it turns out most of the administrators were between 12 and 14 years old. Holy shit. That's so young. But they're also really impressionable. And no, that's what a, I'm saying. Yeah, and given a sense of authority in this situation, like <sighs> little little right. budding psych, like you know, psychos would jump at that. Yeah, it's definitely like prime, like edge lord age. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, so that was sad. But again, people kind of say like maybe it's not real. A doctor for BBC News India said, "quote." People join narratives to explain their experiences. That is possibly why some children have said they participated in the rumored challenge, despite there being no proof of its existence. So the general consensus is that the game was a hoax. There was a ton of suicides allegedly connected to the game in lots of countries, but a lot of these investigations end with the countries releasing statements that they couldn't find any evidence tying the suicides to the games or any evidence that the game exists at all. But there were reports of children participating in it all the way till 2017. And there was some real life consequences. So we discussed like Phillips 2016 arrest. Mm -hmm. In 2017, a man was arrested in Moscow for setting up a blue whale group and persuading over 30 children to play. As far as I can find, he wasn't charged and none of the children completed suicide. But again, it's all in Russian. So I'm not 100% sure, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't find anything saying that like he actually convinced anyone to commit suicide. Again, in 2018, a Russian financial analyst was arrested for running a blue whale game. He convinced 10 teenage girls to play. Couldn't find much. It doesn't appear that any of them completed suicide. But I did find one news report that specifically said two of them survived, which to me kind of implies maybe the other eight didn't. Oh, shit. Yeah. The game's popularity, even if it was like a hoax, it did create some like interesting policy change in a lot of countries. So like in Bangladesh, they put a ban on special nighttime internet packages because that's when kids were supposed to be waking up and playing the game. Mm-hmm. So they just said, fine, well, now you guys can't have internet at night. <laughs> <laughs> in China, 12 related groups were closed on their social medias. 
and related keywords were blocked. In Egypt, the Egypt story is really like the fuel to a lot of people's fire for this because a boy completed suicide and was allegedly found with a whale carved into his arm, Mm. which there's not really any other reason for. So people were kind of like, huh. But uh, Egypt released a statement saying that the game is forbidden. In Russia, a bill was passed assigning criminal responsibility for those who create pro-suicide groups and for those who induce minors to suicide. So in Saudi Arabia, several video games with online chats like Roblox were banned for their possible connection to the game. Basically anything where kids could talk to each other online. Mm -hmm. And then Tunisia, the government also came out and made made it specifically known that the game was banned. So it kind of died out, but there was a brief resurgence in 2020 with the popularity Mm. of a guy named Jonathan Galindo. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's also called The Goofy Man. If you Mm. haven't Googled it, you should Google it. Oh, (laughs) just the name. I'm like, I don't want to. I want to see y'all's reaction. Let's see. Let's see. I'm so scared. I'm sorry. It's Ew. so weird. Yeah. Ew, I don't like it. Because <laughs> he looks I like have Goofy. Seen stuff. Yeah, I have seen this shit. So oh my god. Apparently the actual pictures are like an actor who took them for himself. But of course they got stolen for this meme. Um, oh how sad for that guy who probably was like. <laughs> just minding his own fucking business. He's just goofy cosplaying. Right. You know, it's pandemic. He's probably like depressed and needs a nice outlet and. He had to come on Twitter and make like an official statement. This oh, poor me. guy. Yeah. Oh, man. But essentially, a ton of people changed their social media names and profile pictures to Jonathan Galindo and the Goofy Man or created burner accounts with that name and picture. They were encouraging kids to harm themselves and participate specifically in the Blue Whale Challenge. Oh. The Jonathan Galindo thing died out pretty quickly, and it's because another challenge came up in 2020, which was the Momo Challenge. Oh, God. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that one, too, because it was out in the media that they were specifically splicing it into children's YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember this. This is the image I can't look at. That's right. Yes. Which ended up actually, I found out in doing research for this. It's a Japanese statue and it's supposed to be like a bird woman. Oh. It's still it's hmm. still real spooky looking, but the person who made it also like is an artist and had to destroy the statue. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. it was a creepy ass statue. It was very scary. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. Like it didn't give me yeah. any kind of wonderful feels. I was very upset, but like, huh. Yeah, it it kind of sucks cuz they meant it as like a heritage thing. Yeah. I guess there's like a Japanese urban legend that coincides with it. But um, yeah, they had to destroy it, which is sad. But yeah, um, yeah, the Momo thing was also proven to be a hoax. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of interested to hear like what you guys maybe think about whether the blue whale thing was real or not real. I can definitely see it as being something real because like one of the biggest things I think especially has been talked about more as TikTok became a thing is the internet safety for kids and how it's a really fucking scary place. So I think it's completely believable. I don't know if I completely believe about administrators being like 12 to 14. There was obviously some adults or whoever was doing this type of thing in that as well. But I think if all of this didn't happen to the degree it did, like that's a great thing. But the scary reality is it could have 
very easily. Yeah. In my like opinion, I think that the official one, the official blue whale challenge was a mm-hmm. hoax. Uh, yeah. But I think that like the copycats and the trolls and stuff just made it real. And they, right. they're, there were teenagers who did, you know, complete suicide because of this and harm themselves because of this. Unfortunately, there's just not really like a definitive way to prove that. No. I did check Snopes mm-hmm. and they said that the list of individuals who committed suicide due to the game are unproven. And uh, this is mm-hmm. mostly just because like no one has the game. No one's mentioned how to access it, how they got involved with it. Mm-hmm. There are some AMAs on Reddit. Of people who say that they've played or that they are playing or that they played a couple years ago or whatever. And most of them are from a couple years ago. But the one thing I noticed that they all kind of seem to have in common is that they all say they were allegedly just like approached anonymously on a social networking site, just a, got a DM from a burner account telling them to play the game or their stuff would be exposed, their address would be leaked, their mm. nude images from their phones would be hacked and spread around and things like that. I think um, it's kind of an interesting point too that the blue whale it's almost like a creepy pasta yeah where you can have something that's not real it's on the internet and it's not real and people make it real it's just like the slender man mm-hmm. thing right oh yeah mm-hmm. that was fake the guy the artist the photographer who made those first images that came up for slender man Kate has come out and said that's that's not real i made it for a challenge it was something exactly of yeah mm-hmm. it was like a photo competition for like creepiest picture or some shit and that's what yeah. he made yeah and they ran with it and then there was the stabbing yes. yes also in the same age range interestingly so yes yeah we have talked about that um mm-hmm. that before yeah they were they were really young when that happened too it's just yeah wild it's it's wild it's completely wild this kind of reminds me um I'm a huge criminal minds fan and there's like mm-hmm. an episode where like it's it's a little different, but it's about like challenges that end in suicide or could potentially end in suicide. There's like a, it came out in 2010. So years before this took place. And because I looked it up when we were talking about it. And it's basically like the small town in like a rural area where people are like, uh, like on Friday nights, they play the game and it's like all on the internet and they're supposed to like try to choke themselves out. The longer you go like choking yourself, the more time your school gets, which means the more time, like the more points you get. And of course it resulted in kids dying because, wow. you know, they were hanging themselves in their closets without like a safety. And so I think the idea of like, kids committing suicide based on a challenge or a game isn't new and i think it's just some like if this is true someone was just like recreating the wheel in a different way Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely it's such a vulnerable group too and then it creates that weird like moral hysteria in the parents Mm -hmm. because even like we mentioned the momo thing i was worried about what my kid was watching and kind of like oh I don't know what's going on here. And it was never anything serious, but it made us all panic. Yeah. Yeah. No, my kid, definitely a YouTube kid. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, right there with you, especially because it's like they were, you know, everyone was home. Like they, Mm -hmm. they didn't have fucking anything else to do. Can't even think right now, but whatever grade my child was in at that time, like (laughs) I swear when they, when they, these poor, like, and this is not me talking like bad about her old school district or anything like poor, like these poor educators all across the board. It was just like they had to scramble to get Zoom. I think my daughter's was in, she was in like first grade. Second, I think. 
first or second grade. Yeah. All I remember, I can't even remember like at this point, but like basically it was like, I remember they went on spring break and we're like, cool, this will be over by the time spring break's over. No, fucking never went back for like, no. mm-hmm. long. but I'm just like, damn, these teachers like had to scramble to like figure out how to do Zoom classes with fucking six, seven, you know, like little mm-hmm. kids too, like older kids and like all kinds of different kids, obviously. So they would just, you know, they would show up, they would do like as the teacher would do as much as she could. And then it was like, you know, they just had the rest of the day to kind of do whatever. So it's like kids, even kids who may not have been watching YouTube, if we were like pre, you know, like, quote, normal life during this time, like it just, it makes me so mad because it's like, they knew these kids were already going through a lot, you know, they're home, there's, there's nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, it's just evil. It's just evil. And I did not. It is. And with so many parents like having to switch to work from home, like streaming services and YouTube became a godsend because they could like sit Mm -hmm. their kid down and be like, watch these YouTubes Mm -hmm. while I get my work done. Because I, you know, life still went on for a lot of people who were, you know, working at like corporate style jobs. So they they still had to produce Mm -hmm. their work and educate their children. So it, it was a lot. And I just think that anytime there's a vulnerable like community out there people are going to take advantage of them and and the internet has made it easy the internet is great but it also has like really bad things out there on it as well Mm -hmm. so yeah it definitely sucks it feels like there's not a lot of safe places for kids online there's a lot of stuff like i wish my kid could do like we don't do Mm -hmm. we don't do any online chats we don't do no roblox chats no nothing like Mm -hmm. that because people are just so weird and that's so hard to explain to a child it's hard to explain to teenagers Cause like I have my nieces and nephew are like 18 and 16 and trying to tell them like, okay, I know this because I've lived in the world longer than you. And they're like, I know what I'm talking about. Like you have no idea. And I'm like, my God, I remember being a kid and saying that. (laughs) And now I'm the person who's like, listen, I am trying to get you not to be abducted because right now everything you're doing screams abduct me. Unfortunately, like we, I think we're all a pretty similar age, but I think Mm -hmm. we lived in the, like online chat rooms, like oh for sure, the yeah. worst. We were the mm-hmm. worst generation with the internet. <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> probably because I'm a little older than I'm older than Tara. So when I kind of got onto the internet, the chat was I think it was like IQC or ICQ or something like that. And like my parents were like, who are like they sat me down. They're like, who are these people? And they have to like tell mm-hmm. them like who the names of the You're people like, were. I don't fucking know. <laughs> no, like, but they were like my that's friends. Charlie. Right? No, they yeah. were like my actual friends. Oh, like, okay. Oh, like, okay. You can't talk so was, to people that you don't okay, know. Okay, so this was like this was like similar to like um like, like Yahoo. Matt- or like AOL, yeah. Yes, AOL. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I can't think of any of these fucking names. Right <laughs> and then now. Got a, and then I got Yahoo, and then I learned about like Yahoo. And I like, mm-hmm. here's the thing. This is how dumb my parents were internet wise. Like I love my parents because I grew up in a, like a religious household. So I told my parents that there were Christian teen chat rooms. <laughs> and they were, were. Called, they were. They were called. <laughs> They're like, I was not there though. <laughs> no, I was. They were the worst. Wow. Like you could oh, go oh, into like it. regular teen chat rooms and they would be fine. You go into Christian teen chat rooms and that shit is like, it needs to be bleached. It was. <laughs> I was big in like my scene days when the, I first hit the internet, 
And there was a website called Vampire Freaks. And oh. I was too fucking I feel like to I there. know what this I is. Kinda I kind of want to just see if it's still there. I think it Dude. might be. Oh, it was really. much too much of an adult website for me to be on. But I was like, they have purple hair too. <laughs> Weird. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying Vampire to relate. VampireFreaks.com. Hell yeah. Oh, God. It's still going. I huh. love it. It kind of just seems like it's a store now. Huh. Yeah, it used to be They wild. evolved. It's cool. Oh my god, it's <laughs> real cute. They're grown, too. I Look at this magnet. How cute that is. That is super cute. I love this. I got, like, catfished by this person named Alex, who told me oh, that they no. had cancer. It was... Oh no! Everyone had an what? online friend who was like dying. Maybe not. I Maybe that was it. not a universal experience. No, no I didn't have that no, experience. Like, okay, I wish. Okay, I don't know if I can look at this umbrella. It's so cute. Oh, that's super cute. I love right? that. I was hey, like, vampire oh. freaks is still useful. Yeah, <laughs> I love this. This is the. It's so cute. It's, so cute. it's very um. <laughs> reminds me of the scene. Converting. Is it Sweeney Todd when they're on the beach? Yes. <gasps> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, it's thirty-seven dollars. That's oh, that's not that bad. That's not no. yeah no. So those from our listeners, wow. I, I hope they're. <laughs> here's the thing: every time I get real excited about something, something bad comes out about it. Like the last few <laughs> things, I'm like, I really like this. Something bad happens. So let's just really hope that VampireFreaks.com has. It's gonna be like run by it. QAnon now. Oh my thing. god! Oh, right? I mean, we're not gonna they say have... anything negative because I don't want my life wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> they have cryptid air fresheners for your car. <gasps> I want a little, like a little Mothman air freshener. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. No, no, they have a, a Wendigo. I feel like that's kind of bad luck, but I also them. kind of want one. <laughs> they, they have a little Just mermaid. Just doesn't fuck with Wendigo. Oh, no, she gets I don't blame you. Uh, they have a little mermaid, but it's called the little murder maid. Oh my gosh. I love this. This has just turned into a free ad for them. We love you guys. No one's hearing that from like no one from there is hearing this. But if you are, we love you. So if you guys order stuff, please tell them you heard about it on our podcast. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe you guys will get like a code. Oh, my God. Yeah, we love a code. We love saving money. (gasps) Oh, my God. It is. They have a Mothman air freshener. It's sold out currently. Of course. Oh, of course it is. But look, look how cute it is. (laughs) It is so cute. Oh my god. I'm so I'm obsessed with everything that has turned like Mothman's became my favorite cryptid on accident. But like anytime there's like a cartoon thing of it or like a plush or like something like cutesy, it's all so fucking cute. And it's just Mm -hmm. it's always my favorite out of all the cryptids for like that cutesy shit i just i love mothman so much i want to go to the towns me and just want to go to the town so yeah, bad I go to the festival. oh my god the festival yes you know what other festival too there's also the bell witch festival i think that's in <gasps> september so whenever you you guys it would have already happened i think by the time you guys hear this but i always wanted i'm like every year i'm like fuck i want to do that and then like all this stuff's coming out like i think everybody's like feeling more comfortable now to like have events and stuff again you know Mm -hmm. because they're doing an event at waverly in september as well that's like an all-night thing so i was like wow that's so cool like an investigation included all of that technically that was tara and i's first like just the two of us episode it was Mm -hmm. definitely go to like a little like anniversary thing there hell yeah hell yeah (laughs) i should have thought about this our five years coming up I literally it's like right after it I think or it's around the same time but to be fair they just announced it like I saw it on Facebook today so like it's it was a new post announcement whatever so I know that sometimes 
in That's Santa Cruz, they have the Bigfoot Festival. Really? Yeah. Oh, and then that, it, they also, don't they do stuff? Because there's a museum. What, I know we talked about, is it in Santa Cruz or is it somewhere It's I in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Else. Right, right, right. But yeah, they do a whole Bigfoot thing. And then, you know, they do they do a thing in Forks for Twilight. I don't know how you <gasps> That's feel That's on my bucket list. But, okay, okay, great. Tara and I have talked Damn. about doing a road trip where she would like fly to me and then we would like mm-hmm. road trip up because I'm in Sacramento road trip up to Oregon because the actual like house that they filmed mm-hmm. is in Oregon and then we would yeah. go to Forks and then there's like one other location. Yeah, Bella's there's like two. house is an there. Airbnb now. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. but it's never available. I like, makes sense. yeah. But yeah, oh my gosh. I we're, got we're my kid stands. like super into Twilight. And so I, I think I'm just, I'm just gonna take her. <laughs> like, <one day. laughs> oh my god, that's so great! I love that. I know I made my kid watch. She's watched. I don't know if we got through the third one yet or not, but she's definitely watched the first two. She was like half into it, half not. I don't know if she was just trying to nappy into it because I think we watched mm-hmm. one of them when, when you were here, Jess. But yeah. it's just one of those things where she's like not too quite sure on it and stuff. But she's definitely my big scaredy cat. She's a little weenie, but it's great though because like in the last like year she's like as she's getting older because she turned 11 she is like starting to like stuff more like i watched Coraline the other night i fully anticipated watching it by myself and she fucking came in and watched it with me and i'm like like that was like one of her movies (laughs) that was a hard fucking no like she was not about it like she would be like genuinely scared i'm like you know what i'm watching right and she's like yep and she just watched it and then afterwards i was like so how was that movie for you now that you're older and she's like well i just didn't like the button eyes and i was like yeah, yeah those are fair. creepy but like hey, she's gotten no so much so much braver and it makes me so happy she's watched scream she's watched the first one so as long as she know, like is reassured it's starting to become it's like and i feel like this is anybody if you're reassured it's actually fake then yeah. you're good that's like that's where she's at so she's like Amazing. okay so this story is fake. Like Sydney and them, they're not real. And I said, no. <laughs> She's like, okay. And the other thing, it, it was like, we're like, no, but I told her, I was like, there's, you know, there is a real serial killer. She's a weenie about all this, but she watched fucking almost every episode of CSI. Right. <laughs> or not CSI, uh, NCIS. And I'm just like, yeah. okay, let's talk about this. So that's how I convinced her to watch that. I'm like, it's like that, but like fake. <laughs> fake <laughs> she's like okay <laughs> i have no credibility with that child my uh no. stamp of like oh it's fine is a, to her she's like oh i hate it now uh we went to we went to disneyland a couple of years ago when she was i think nine yes nine. okay and yes. every ride that like we wanted to try to take her on because she was like because t- the last time she had gone she was too short to ride many of the rides so now she was mm-hmm. tall enough and <laughs> i'd be like this isn't scary oh uh, yeah it was a everyone to her was a lie she was like that's too fat that was too fast i don't <laughs> like it and then god my ex-husband was with us because he's kind of a weenie with rides so like we'd it's be like we're gonna out. go on rides and they're like we're gonna go get caught like we're gonna go eat food and like they had the best little mini vacation while we had a different mini vacation so it was like yes. oh my gosh. Yeah. i've never went- been to the disney in california that's you guys went to the california one right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've never been to disney world but you're a california native so i mean yeah, yeah that makes sense my <laughs> my in-laws are in california and so they're constantly like there is a disney over here it's fun bring the kids yeah it's i actually like i don't i know that disney disney world is so much bigger we looked this up it's like 40 something acres whereas like it's huge 
Whereas like Disneyland is like less than a square mile. Oh, dang. So, so you could do it in one day. You can, mm-hmm. but you won't be able to like enjoy it, especially like I would yeah. say like post pandemic. Before the pandemic, I used to go a lot. Well, one, because I was a single rider on a lot of rides because I'd go by myself. I could do all of the Disney rides in like a day. I did see this thing today on TikTok. Um, I don't know if I sent it. To, I may have sent it to Tara, but it is like it's a temporary tattoo. It's for Walt. It's for Disney World and it's for drinking around the world. Oh, my God. The Epcot one. <laughs> Yes. And so I was like, I saw that and I was like, this is so genius because I would lose a piece of paper, but I'm not going to lose my arm. Right. You guys said you haven't been to Disney World, but I like one of the times that I went, my oldest was like, like three or four maybe. And I went with my mom and we started drinking around the world and you can do a beer one or a wine one. I started doing the beer one and then halfway through like picked up a wine one too so by the time we circled <laughs> back around like my mom was pushing my kid i had done know where i was it was rough you gotta be so careful i love uh, that no i literally was just like oh my god and like i've seen the cock like tiktok watching the cocktails that come out mm-hmm. of these places. i'm like i want that i want mm-hmm. that so much i am glad like disneyland is pretty dry yeah. um they just i think the blue the blue bayou just started serving alcohol like Mm -hmm. the only thing in disneyland for the longest time that served i think was like club 33 and then uh then the cantina in star wars opened Mm -hmm. so tara and i had those for like i don't know like 9 30 it was fine (laughs) (laughs) when i talk to people about this and they're like yeah no i have i'm so excited i got my like uh one of my uh, co-workers is going she's like yeah i already made my reservations at the cantina and i was like really she's like yeah the only time available was like 9 a.m and I was like, mm-hmm. I would totally fucks with that. I'd be there. Right? <laughs> it's like, vacation. It right? doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but California Adventure has a lot. Um, mm. The last time I went there, I didn't, like, last time I went to Disney, I didn't even really ride the rides that much. I literally just ate and drank my way around California Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like Epcot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, all the good stuff. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This was something, like, totally off topic that I wanted to bring up really quickly before we wrap up. Because I thought it was like a good topic to bring up. So we talked to somebody um, else earlier in this little bout of interviews we're doing about ethical true crime reporting. Everybody knows like this is something that's a huge, huge problem, but TikTok especially. So as a fellow ethical, I know you're kind of scooting away from that, but as I would say a fellow ethical true crime advocate for anyone that might be like wondering either as trying to be a creator or as a consumer, like what is kind of like some basic stuff you tell people like, hey, look out for when they're looking for like ethical content either to consume or they want to start making it type of thing. I always think like the best approach to this question is if you, God forbid, were in a situation where like your child or your mother got murdered, how would you want people to talk about it? So like YouTube, we'll pick on YouTube. One of the things, there's a couple things that like drive me nuts about some true crime content. Like I'm personally not a big fan of the thumbnails and the selfies. Oh, the selfies and the thumbnails. I'm not a huge fan, especially if it's like overlaid with like murder victims and like yeah, fake blood spatter. I just or um like not for crime not having... scene vid- photos. Like yes. I'm like, are you fucking for real? Yeah, <laughs> like, an... what are you doing? <laughs> there's a like recent trend. I've yeah. been seeing it happen a lot where creators are putting crime scene photos on their patreons and then being like, come see these really blurry photos for three dollars. Yeah. Like what the. Fuck. Yeah, I get the ick with that too. And for us, 
we've changed the type of content we do on Patreon Mm -hmm. because we would do like random cases that, you know, maybe weren't like big enough for an episode, things like that or whatever. But like once we started like thinking about it and, you know, seeing people do obviously what we're like, you know, I don't know. I don't really think that was problematic of us to do that. But like, you know, seeing actual like problematic shit, it just made us kind of like reflect on everything as a whole, you know? So we were, we stopped really like maybe, I don't even know how long it's been since we've actually done a case on Patreon and no, no shade to anyone who does like, please do whatever, like, you know, you feel best. But just for us, we were like, you know what? Like we realize what we're doing is like harmless, but at the same time, like we don't make true crime content, you know, for a money grab or anything. Mm -hmm. We do it to like share these stories and to get these people a voice. So that's where we shifted with that. And it's nice because I feel like slowly but surely that train of thought has bled into the true crime community, but you still have those people that they're like, well, this is what I've always done and it's what's worked. So I don't give a shit. And it's like, that's really shitty of you. Like, I don't know how else to say that. (laughs) I was fine with it, and I felt like because I was making ethical true crime, like, it was good, I always had families involved, blah, 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 blah. But then I started noticing that, like, I so, you know, doing this, I'm sure you guys also come in contact with a ton of victims' family members, Mm -hmm. or people are reaching out to you, sending you Mm -hmm. emails, asking you to cover their cases, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I became, like, mutuals with a bunch of them, and they post all the time about how people, like, take advantage of their situation, or... Mm-hmm. spread false information and i've gotten yeah. caught now in there was a pretty big thing on tiktok where i thought because i was i was doing it with a family permission that i was doing the right thing and it was with a victim's sister i got all my facts like did everything i always double check scripts before i post them because in my mind like that makes it good mm-hmm. well then another family member posted on tiktok and was like everything that that girl posted is a lie mm. and so people were coming to me and being like oh, you're no. not ethical i can't believe you say you're ethical and then you treat victims family like this and mm-hmm. like I it's just made me kind of be like I'm not I don't even know if I'm helping right yeah and like we were doing the podcast we justice and I had a true crime podcast before mm-hmm. and I would get like so anxious doing the research about maybe like pronouncing something wrong or getting a date wrong mm-hmm. it's yeah a lot. it's a lot it yeah. is a lot it's so mm-hmm. like we talk about this sometimes on the podcast of like how it can mentally drain you to do this. And it's, it's like it's almost like you have to go at it with like people need to understand your intention. People yeah. need to understand mm-hmm. like I'm not out here to like make a quick buck and capitalize on someone's death. That's not why we're doing this. There is a, a market for people learning about cases. I know it's like weird. This is like the weird phenomenon that comes with true crime is that people feel safer knowing about crimes that have happened because yeah. it puts them like it gives them an opportunity to like adjust their lifestyle to be safer Mm -hmm. and you know when we first started it would be like you would you'd read things and you'd say things and i mean there's but i think in our like five years there's been a couple of times where we've had to go back and be like hey we read this and this information wasn't true we're sorry like you just kind of have to be like your intention has to be good and accountable Mm -hmm. and and i think the first step is a lot of people choose to get defensive right away yeah. Um, yes. I remember one of the first times that like happened with us. I was reading and I, I feel victim to the getting defensive. I was reading a quote from something that instead of using the word indigenous, use the previous term. Yeah. And I was quoting and I thought to myself, this is okay because I'm quoting this. And someone from the indigenous community reached out to us and was like, hey, that's still not okay. Like, you know, the word Mm -hmm. is bad. You need to to change it like as you read it. And my first reaction, Tara remembers that I probably remember this. I got real fucking pissed. I was like, this is 
fucking bullshit. Like I was quoting. And then I was like, wait a second. One, this is not my journey to be angry with. This is their community. This is their culture. And I need to respect it. And Mm -hmm. then having this dialogue with this person being like, I am so sorry. Like I was quoting it. I thought it was okay. I will, you know, we have like just in that kind of context, anytime we come across that word, we automatically change it to indigenous or native American or whatever flows best in that moment, Mm -hmm. even if it's quoted. And Mm -hmm. it was actually kind of cool because this person and I like started emailing and she works with my like dad's second cousin or worked Mm -hmm. since (laughs) passed away. But like, it was like this really weird kind of like, it was a cool moment to learn from. And I think that's what content creators have to do. They have to learn from a Mm -hmm. mistake. People should be allowed to make mistakes. What you can't do is not learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's hard. Like some of the people that aren't maybe like the most ethical, it's hard because a lot of them have in like the most delicate way of saying it, like they have um, large fan bases that Mm -hmm. will support them no matter what they do. It's hard. It is it, you know, and unfortunately, like at the end of the day, these larger creators, you know, when they do stuff like this, they just kind of get the sense of being untouchable. Mm -hmm. Like think about like sword and scale. That guy's a fucking bag of trash. I mean, people are definitely agreeing and saying he is as well. So maybe the best example, but you know what I mean? It's crazy to me because I saw, I only bring him up in that up because I saw a post like recently and someone was like, oh I listened to like this most recent episode on whatever the fuck the case was and people were like coming after her being like like how are you supporting this you know and like explaining and stuff but there was people that are like still hardcore stands of this show mm-hmm. and are fucking like attacking these other people and it's just like ugh. it's like yeah. I don't like that it sucks it shouldn't be that way because these like in a perfect world you know these people that have this reach and this voice they should be doing good and mm. unfortunately not all of them are there are ones yeah. that definitely are but like there are there's some that um are not I do yeah. think you're right too though like I do think that it's becoming more common for people mm-hmm. to like really think about their ethics and mm-hmm. there are a couple of big podcasts that maybe did some not great things in the past that are trying to change it now and are like sure lots of money and things like that like mm-hmm. I think we're slowly turning the right direction Yeah, no, for sure. And that's like, that's honestly, when anybody of any size makes those kind of mistakes, it is more about like how they are going forward. If someone's going to move forward, and they're going to be like, fuck, I fucked up own their shit, what have you and you know, change going on, then that's a totally different story, you know, because you you love to see people grow. Okay, so to kind of wrap things up, we're asking, (laughs) we're asking everybody this random ass question that uh, stemmed from Jess and I, we did a Q&A recently on Patreon and we're like, we're keeping this for everybody. So we're asking everybody, if you were to be dropped off at a deserted island, what would you bring with you? There's no limit. You can bring whatever you want, anybody you want, all that shit. No limitations. Except there is one. You cannot bring a boat or any You cannot have some kind of transportation to leave. Yeah. If you and if you have a boat, it has to be like totally broke down and can't move. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, okay. I would want a broke down boat. (laughs) I'm bringing Jacob, my partner, because he could probably fix the boat. There you go. Hopefully. Um, I'm probably not going to bring my kids because it sounds like maybe a good break. I don't know. <laughs> it's a vacation. That's I love a vacation. that. I love that for you. You're like, my kids are safe back at home. They're, They're fine. fine. I'd probably bring some kind of book 
if I'm stuck on a deserted island, maybe like some knit cutter, like something to set the mood. Um, <laughs> and food, probably. Yeah. I, and food. Music, I would want my phone. Mm, It'd probably die yeah. pretty quick, though, which is... Ugh. We've heard a lot of the, uh, the solar power banks. Yeah. People bring that. They're like, I could do that. And then I'll just bring my Kindle. And <laughs> People are way smarter than me. <laughs> That's such a good idea. Not, like people said that. Really, oh, that's genius. One, one of our guests was like, I'm going to bring a cruise ship that just can't go anywhere, but it's going to be fully <laughs> it has everything stocked. everything you need? Yeah. Like, that's fucking live on it. You don't even have to leave then. That's fine. Stay. You're like, <laughs> right? This is my home now. I'm, but I like, I literally thought about it like a, like last week at work. I was like, that food is going to spoil. I hope oh, you brought a lot of canned true. goods. Mm, yeah. Mm. It would be fun for a couple days, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. People have all these creative ideas. I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'd put him to work. <laughs> I'm going to You fix hey. it. No, no. That actually sounds great. You're like, I'm going to just make myself a little sand chair, and you go fix the boat, and I'm going to read. We're getting alone time and together time. All the same trip. <laughs> you just let me know when it's done. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my I love gosh. That. <laughs> All right. So uh, where can everybody find you? And do you have anything coming up you wanted to share with us? You can find me at Criminology and Coffee on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and everywhere. And that's all I'm working on right now other than my theme park thing I have going on on TikTok for some reason. Oh, my God. Yeah. So great. You guys definitely check it out. It took off. I don't know what's going on. But um, it's great. Yeah, that's where I am everywhere. Cool. So with that, we are going to end the episode. I hope you all enjoyed listening. Thank you, Rebecca, for joining us today. It was great Mm -hmm. to have you. And definitely check out all of her things going on. And we will see you back here on Monday for another episode. Toodles. Bye. Bye, friends.